by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I'm going to do things a little differently because Pastor Guy's not here to tell me no. So uh, first things first, I'm just going to pray for us uh, and Lord God, I just ask that you just give us clear hearts and minds that just allow us to hear your voice today. We love you and we appreciate you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so I got two exercises and y'all aren't going to like them because you got to get up. So uh, the first exercise, uh, I want to do it kind of like this. Uh, I'm going to read off a list of fears, most of which I have or have had in the past. And if you have this fear, I want you to stand up if you're able. If you're not able, put your hand up. But if you are able, you have to stand up. So be, be doing that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start. These are easy ones. So uh, who has a fear of heights? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. All right. You can sit back down in between these. Yeah, okay. This is, why, this is the exercise portion. Okay. Uh, so fear of spiders. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew some of those. So. <laughs> uh, fear of flying. Okay, wow. Um, let's do fear of public speaking. <laughs> the guy with the mic also. All right, make sure you're sitting back down. You got to get that full range of motion right there, right? Uh, all right, fear of the dark. Some people, that's good. You're being honest. That's important. Uh, fear of failure. You can stand, yeah, that's good, that's good. All right, here's another one. Fear of death. Good, good. Fear of rejection. It's good, we got some honest people. Fear of being alone. Good, good. Fear of the future. <laughs> some of y'all getting exercise, that's good. Fear of betrayal. Very trustworthy people out there. That's good. That's good. So um, y'all can sit down and stay seated. Um, I had a whole long list, but I knew I was just going to pick a couple of them. Um, so I, that happened to me. I was at a, a gospel encounter event, and a, a woman got up there and was said all those things like, you know, if you're afraid of this, stand up. And half of them I didn't stand up, mostly because I was lazy. And then the other half is because I had a fear of accepting the fear, right? So I'm going to talk a little bit about um, what fear does to us and how to overcome the spirit of fear by drawing close to Jesus. So uh, if you turn with me to Exodus, Exodus 3, 1 through 6, I'm going to show you all something that God just showed me. Um, and that's really all my sermons ever are is just stuff God is dealing with me. So if you ever feel like I'm preaching directly at you, it's really I'm preaching directly at me. So we're just in the same boat. So Exodus 3, verse 1. I'm just going to read the, the, the story. This is the first time that Moses encounters God. So uh, verse 1 in chapter 3. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. So a little context. He was in the land of Midian. Does anyone know why? Because he was hiding. 
He was hiding from Egypt. He had, he had killed the person. He had a long story there. That's another sermon, but he, he was hiding from Egypt pretty much. Um, so then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't, this, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So a little context, uh, Moses was 80 years old. And this is the first time he's encountered uh, the God Yahweh. Uh, before that, he was you know, living as a prince of Egypt. Uh, he was adopted by Pharaoh. You know, There's a long story about that. Um, but Moses did not start out as a powerful man of God. Moses started out as an old man that was in hiding. And God called him. So I've always loved Moses in the Bible because I feel like I have a lot of similarities, at least to where Moses started. You know, when, when Moses was first called, one of the first things Moses told God was, I no speak good. Me no speaky. He said, you're going to go to Pharaoh and talk to Pharaoh. What did Moses say? No, I'm, I'm not good at that. I'm not going to do that. I feel that way. I'm not a very good public speaker. When I said, does anyone have a fear of public speaking? That's me. I do. And God has a sense of humor because he's calling me to preach more and more, right? Um, so when Moses started out getting called by God, he was 80 years old, and he was shackled by fear. His whole life had been based on fear. That's why he was in Midian. That's why he was working for his father-in-law. Uh, he was afraid of being caught afraid of being exposed for what he was or what he thought he was. See, Moses only saw an old man that had done a lot of, like, weird things. You know, he was a, a king of Egypt, and then he, he killed a man that was uh, hurting a slave. So he didn't know what he was. Moses didn't know what side of the fence he was on. Another guy we're going to talk about, um, Gideon from the book of Judges. So if you'll flip with me to Judges 6, 11 through 12. And if some of this ain't making sense, don't worry. I'll bring it, I'll bring it home, and I've told i got to watch my time because I'm a long-winded preacher. So just hang with me, and we'll get there. Um, so Judges 6, verse 11 through 12. So it, it says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. I can't say none of these names, so don't worry about it. Uh, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Some versions say, Valiant man of God. And I like that. Uh, when the angel says this to Gideon, Gideon did the same thing that Moses did. He went, Mighty hero? So Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Do y'all know where you thresh wheat? Not in a wine press. You don't, that's not where you do it, right? So why was he down there? He was hiding. The Midianites uh, were raiding the land, and Gideon was actually afraid that they would come and steal the last of the wheat. So he was threshing the wheat down there so that they wouldn't know and they, he could get the wheat out. God called him from a place of fear. He was so afraid. He, at, at that time, in Judges, God would, 
raise up men to fight for the nation of Israel, right? That's what he was doing with Gideon. And Gideon's first response was, me? I don't, I don't know if you're at the right house, right? Uh, when I said, stand up if you have any of these fears. I know that some of y'all did not stand up when you had the fear, not just because you're lazy. And I know that because I did the same thing. And I had a fear of realizing the fear. So the real question, I'm very pragmatic. I like to uh, figure out what scripture is trying to, you know, what God is trying to tell me through scripture to do. So if we can recognize the spirit of fear, then we can deal with it. So the first thing I think is very important to know about fear is that it is a spirit. Once you know that, we know how to fight it. Well, how do you fight it? Well, let's turn in 2 Timothy 1.7 and hear what God has to say about that. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So fear is a spirit, and because of that, we have the power and authority of Jesus to cast out that spirit. Not only do you have the authority, you actually have the obligation. When you, you signed up to follow God's call, uh, for instance, when Moses responded to God, you remember where it said he hid his face? That's important. Remember that because that is Moses' legacy. When he first encountered God, he was so afraid he couldn't look on the face of God. And then later on, he gets closer and closer. He does all these things that God is telling him to do. He becomes obedient. And what I want to get into is like, why is that? There are so many people that get called by God and they don't go closer. There are a lot of kings in the Bible that were good, and the Bible said they did what was right in the Lord's sight, but not with the whole heart. And there are kings like from other nations that took over Israel, and God said they did good, they obeyed, but only a little. So what made Moses Moses? Because when I say the word, the name Moses, you know who Moses was. He, he was a man of God that led the people out with God guiding him in front and behind. So uh, we have a, not just the authority to cast out fear, but the obligation. When the Israelites were called out, do you know how fearful the Israelites were? They were so fearful that when they got free, so they had been enslaved for over 400 years. None of them knew freedom. So to someone that has been in slavery for all of their lives, what does freedom look like? It looks a little scary, I think. I think this is what we get into when you first get saved. You're all of a sudden free. And you're like, yeah, I can go do everything. God has called me to do everything. And it's like, it can be a little scary. So what did the Israelites do? We're free. We can do everything. And God has called us to do everything. Uh-oh. What, this is scary. Because it used to be like Monday through Friday, we know what we're doing. You know, Now it's a little more unknown. Fear of the unknown. So they complained. Israel wanted to go back to the shackles. Um, and this is something that fear lies about. So the first thing about fear is it's a spirit. The second thing about fear is that it's a liar. It's not the spirit of God. If you're operating in fear, you're not operating in the spirit of God. I'm going to talk about a couple different things because I just recently had a realization about fear uh, that God allowed me to see in my own life uh, if you would ask me at the beginning of this year if I had a problem with fear, I would say no. Because I don't fear death because I got Jesus. You know, to death to me, uh, death to me is just I go to Jesus, right? Um, 
And I didn't think I failed failure because I kind of felt like I was a failure. But let me tell you, that's part of fear. Something that God dealt with me was I have very low self-esteem, and I used to think that that was okay because it's in line with humility. That is not in line with humility. That's in line with pride. And you might be thinking, low self-esteem? Yes. When you don't agree with what God says about you, but you agree with what the enemy says about you, that's pride. And, they, and that's also a spirit. So um, one of the ways I had fear that I did not know was that's one of them. Another one was uh, my dad passed away when I was 21. And uh, I thought, you know, I had dealt with it pretty well. I, I was reading this book that the main character, it's a fictional book, the main character would tell himself to get scared later. So that's what I did. And I'll tell you this, it worked. I was never scared. I would tell myself, get scared later. Things would happen, and I, would, I had to grow up pretty fast and make you know, some decisions that are kind of life and death now. And it's, it would work just to say, get scared later. I don't have to deal with that. I can just make the decision and go forward. So God revealed to me that that was actually sinful. Because what was I doing when I would tell myself, get scared later? I was putting it on my own shoulder. I was trying to deal with it. That's not what God wanted for me. So in, in this case, Moses tried to deal with it himself. He ran away. He could have missed out on his entire purpose. And in fact, the Bible tells us that he almost, his fear almost got him killed because it almost made him disobedient to God. So for me, that's something that God revealed to me was that I had a lot of fear that I pressed down and it turned into anger and it turned into anxiety. And, and the real way that we have to deal with it is bring it to God. You bring it to yourself, you can't deal with it. And you're not supposed to. That's, that's the point. Um, so here's some of the ways that the spirit of fear can work. Uh, one of the things it can do is make you completely useless to the will of God. You'll see a lot of people out there uh, that are like this. They are pretty much the vegetable when it comes to the will of God. They can't hear what God is saying to them. You can reason with them for a very long time about Scripture, about who God is, but they cannot feel God. The spirit of fear has gripped them so harshly that that's all they want to fear. So uh, I wanted to read Psalm 56, 3 to 4. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? So in the case of Gideon and Moses, they ran away from their calling and what they're supposed to do. And God went and found them in their fear. So it's important for us that if we try to control our own lives, like I was doing with the fear, you know, throwing it over my shoulder and, you know, you got to be a man. We tell ourselves, men tell ourselves that a lot. Um, you have to just do what you got to do. God wants you to look to him for provision and guidance and protection, not to yourself. So you don't necessarily have to do what you have to do. You have to do what God tells you to do. That's very different sometimes. Um, so we need to give complete control to God. In Psalm 56.3, when I am afraid, I will put my trust not in myself, not in the situation. A lot of times our feelings can lie to us, and this is something that the spirit of fear uses. It tells you, I, I saw this really good illustration. It's like God is over here, and he's saying everything in the word of God, that you are loved, that, that Jesus 
came to die for you because God loves you so much he wanted to redeem you. And on this side, you have Satan that is over here saying that you're not good enough and that even God can't use you. You ever think that? You ever have that thought come up? Uh, Well, God's over here saying, that's a lie, get away. He's saying to Satan, get away from my kid. You are a son or a daughter of God. And what's funny is we, sometimes we're sitting here in the middle and we go, wait a minute, this guy got a point. I'm not very good at public speaking, right? Or I'm not, I'm not very confident in who I am, that kind of thing. We side with the enemy because of fear. This is what the Israelites did. They signed with Egypt when God freed them from Egypt. So one of the things uh, fear will do is make you completely useless. Israel in a lot of its uh, first years coming out of Egypt, pretty useless. Moses goes up to the mountain to talk to God for 40 days. That is less than a month and a half. Okay? So he goes up to the mountain, comes back down. The people have built a gold calf to worship. They're now in full-blown idolatry. They saw all the miracles that God did, right? So one of my biggest questions when I was reading Exodus 3, it said that Moses had covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Well, later on, and we'll get to that verse, you know, Moses asked to see God's glory, so much so that Moses' own face would shine. So he was physically changed because of God. So what changed in the 30 chapters from when he was too afraid to look at God to where he was begging God to show him his face? Well, you, you might think it's the miracles, right? Between that time, he led Israel out of Egypt. But the Israelites saw those miracles too. The Israelites walked on dry land through the, the Dead Sea. They ate the manna. And in less than a month and a half, they completely abandoned God. So imagine if Pastor Guy comes back in November and we have a giant gold thing here. That's, not, that's literally what happened to Israel. That's not even that long. And why did that happen? Because Israel was stupid? No, they were fearful. They wanted something to trust, and so they went back to what they knew, not to what God was trying to bring them forward to. I, this is not in my notes, but I say all the time, uh, God only gives us one direction, and it's forward. A lot of people want to go back, and that's why nostalgia is such a big thing. You want to go back to when you were a kid or to when you were younger, when you were happier, But God does not give you that option for a reason. Growth means you have to move forward. You can never move back. So um, fear can make you completely useless. Another thing it can do, it can convince you to agree with the enemy instead of your father who created you, the very guy that knows you better than you know yourself. Uh, One of the other things it can do, and for me, I, I probably was this for many years and didn't realize, you can operate in the Holy Spirit but not fully. So God can still use you. And so I, I got to say I'm bad at evangelism because I'm such an introvert. I hate, this is the public speaking thing, hate talking in public. I hate going up to people I don't know and telling them, you know, I want to tell people about Jesus because it's when you know Jesus, it just bubbles over. You have to tell people. But there's that fear that's like, you know, what if I get rejected? What if, what if, they, what if they really hate me, right? Well, when you start, praying that away and say, God, you know, that's what I want. I want to tell people about you without any fear. Part of what he does is give you the ability to practice it, which you can't be scared of. So, for example, I was in Minneapolis 
Um, this was probably a couple, maybe five, six months ago. And we're, I'm in a program that's training us for evangelism, right? So it's great, right? That's exactly where I need to be. Uh, we're doing this scavenger hunt. It is not part of the evangelism. It's part of the fun bit, right? You go out with your friends. You do the scavenger hunt, blah, blah. So we get stopped. Three of us are wearing a bigger group, and we're walking down the streets of Minneapolis, and we get stopped by a Muslim girl, right? And she's asking us where her street is. Well, truth comes out, she was not, she didn't actually want to know where her street was. She saw one of my buddies, and he's a little uh, darker complected, curly hair, thought that he was Muslim too. So she was flirting with him, right? So three hours later, we were standing on the street corner, reasoning the scriptures with this Muslim lady. And it became probably my first hostile engagement with someone telling them about Jesus. And keep in mind, I've been to China. Uh, I went on a mission trip to, to China like 11 years ago. I never had a hostile encounter. This was the first one where it kind of became hostile. And what happened was, God was, the Holy Spirit was working through me to tell this woman things that no one else has told her. So God chose this skinny white kid from Mississippi to go to Minneapolis to talk to this woman from another country, by the way. I, I don't know which one, but another country with completely different belief systems. And what he, so like my biggest fear has come true, right? Like I'm, I'm talking to this woman, she's not accepting and she's not walking away because you, you tell yourself, well, worst case scenario, they're like, oh, I don't need Jesus. I'm good. Walk away. Mm -mm, she's following us. She, she keeps talking. So we keep talking. That's why it was a three-hour conversation, right? Um, God used that opportunity. Now I'm not afraid of a hostile encounter because I know we said what the Holy Spirit told us to say. And I pray for her, and I hope that she will seek out God on her own because that's one of the things I told her. Like, you go and read the book of John. You can tell a Muslim that. In Islam, our Bible is their scripture, but they don't read it. So that was one of my challenges is, do you know the book of John? And she's like, no, I don't read that. I'm, I'm a good Muslim. And I'm like, well, that is part of your scripture. So go read the book of John, and then you tell me who Jesus is. Because we were trying to reason with her. Jesus is the son of God. He came and died for you. Right? Uh, her thing was, you can be good enough on your own. And that is not true. That's what fear will tell you. You can be good enough on your own is a lie. Uh, have you ever heard people say, that's just the way I am? That's a lie. It's a lie. God created you very unique, but he did not create you with flaws. This sound, to me, like someone preached that recently, and I was like, oh, that sounds like common sense, but I did not understand that. I thought God made me very introverted for a reason. And, you know, you could get into the semantics of he did make me unique, and I have a certain attitude that he, he chose for a specific reason, but he's, he doesn't want me to stand up here fearful. You know, y'all probably hear me shaking over here because I'm like, I hate talking in, in front of people. God did not create me like that. He doesn't want me to stay broken. And that's the same for you. You are not meant to be broken. Um, so I have been overcoming that fear with evangelism, and that's why I'm here talking to you today. So uh, I was able to operate in the Holy Spirit, but I wasn't able to fully operate because I still want, I wanted to like imagine a cell, if you will, and here's the door of the cell, and I see people passing, and I would stand at the front of the cell, and I would tell people about Jesus, and then I go back in my corner and put the chains back on because I'm too afraid. 
And that can apply if, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm really extroverted, so that doesn't apply. No, it applies. Every aspect in your life, you're going to be asked to step out of a box. And you have to be obedient to that. So Moses was called to step out of his box. He was hiding. He was fearful. So he was a little bit obedient, and he stepped out. So now we go to Exodus 33, verse 10 through 18. This is what God showed me the other day that I've read this story many, many times, and I just never saw it this way. So this is 30 chapters later, after the Israelites have been let out, they're now in the wilderness, and uh, we'll just start at verse 10. Whenever the people saw Moses, they would stand and worship their God, each at the entrance to his tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tabernacle. One day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I'll look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. This is a different guy, right? In, in uh, three, I just, I got to read that part because it's, it's, it never popped out to me before. When God said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So you might be asking, okay, so if it's not the miracles that made Moses into the man God created him to be, maybe it was Moses is just really good. Apparently not, right? When, the, when God came to him, he said, I can't even talk right. Let my brother do it. Let someone else do it. Um, but God chose Moses for a reason. So he went from being so afraid to begging to see God's face. So... The, the big question for me then is, so if it's not the miracles, if it's not because Moses is just really cool, then why did, why did Moses have that reaction? Because if you think back to the Israelites, the Israelites had the opposite. The more time they spent with God, the more they rebelled, right? You want to know my theory? Um, let me go back to verse 10. Whenever the people saw Moses, they would stand and worship their God, each at the entrance to his tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses face to face as one would speak to a friend. After Moses would return to the camp, yeah, Joshua would reign. I don't have it written down, but there are parts uh, around Exodus 33, I believe it's before verse 10, that say the people would go back in their tent. And Moses and Joshua would, would stay in the tent of meeting. So here's my theory. Moses overcame fear, not because he was cool, or because he learned some cheat code, it's because he got close to God. So as Moses was used by God, 
he became more obedient. He started out a little obedient. And a little obedience can go a long way, but a lot of obedience goes a lot further. So there are kings in the Bible. King Darius, I was just reading in Daniel, who actually believed in God, had faith in the God of Israel, and did good things in God's name. But he was no Moses. There was King Asa and King Hezekiah who did good things for the Lord. But he was no King David, a man after God's own heart. What's the difference? Not because David was awesome or Moses was awesome or Gideon was awesome. Gideon was hiding. And then when when God called him, he asked for a couple of different signs. So imagine that God comes to you and you're like, yeah, okay, sure, sure, but I need I need you to just prove it. And then he proves it. And then you're like, okay, yeah, but one more time. Just one more. So he he came from a background of shackles. That's where we come from. We live in a world that is bound by fear, by every spirit you can think of. And we are supposed to be powerful men and women of God. Every one of you is supposed to be a leader. It, whatever way that might look, that's going to look different for everyone. But I remember I used to say that years ago, and people would be like, no, I don't believe that. People aren't supposed to be leading. You're supposed to be leading people to Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, that's something that he's teaching me in evangelism. So I had the uh, three-hour encounter with uh, the Muslim lady on the street corner. And uh, I don't know if she accepted anything we said. I don't know. Um, but I know that weekend, that was Saturday, Sunday, I fly back. And I'm praying, and I'm like, you know, I really want to evangelize. I want to tell people about Jesus. I do. But that was a little rough. You know, that was a rough weekend. Um, so I prayed, and I, I told God, you know, send me someone that I can tell tell them that you love them. But can you send me, like, a softball? Can you, like, give me someone that's a little too accepting? You want to know something funny? He did. He absolutely did. He sent this woman that she was going to Minneapolis to see a friend that had been in a car wreck. And he was fine, but he was recovering, you know. And uh, we just talked for, you know, probably two hours, however long uh, the flight was. And when we got back, you know, I prayed for her. And I waited until, like, you know, because I'm sitting here like, I got to pray for this woman. But if I ask her mid-flight, can I pray for you? And it goes, it goes sideways like the Muslim woman went. Like, that could be kind of weird, right? Uh, but I asked. I was like, I'm not going to let her get up without telling her I'm going to pray for her. So I did. And, and what I gained from that was you can just tell God, hey, this is how I feel. Because keep in mind, what did I say earlier? Your feelings are not necessarily true. Your feelings were lied to you. Fear will pretend to be a feeling. I know this when I uh, go at, at night. I come home late, and I'm trying to get in the garage. My battery is not working on my little clicker, and I just need to replace it, honestly. But I haven't, so I go to the little keypad. And I'm always I'm at the keypad. I'm looking over my shoulder because it's night, and I watch too many movies, right? Right. That, that is not a real feeling that I have. I'm not feeling scared. There is a spirit of fear that is trying to tell me, you need to be afraid of something behind you. And it's because I'm putting in garbage. So Moses goes to the tent of meaning every single day. So, and Joshua too. So this is why, if you remember, and I don't have it written down, but when they go to survey the Canaanites, the land they're about to be brought into, there's only two people that thought it was a good idea to do what God told them to do, which is go and fight for the land. Everyone else was afraid. They're like, they're too big. They, their cities are tall. Like, we're never gonna, it's never going to work. Who was one of the guys that said, 
No, no, we don't have any fear because God is with us. Joshua. Joshua and Caleb. Joshua was in the tent of meeting with Moses every day. So my theory is, and this is something God has told me many, many times since that encounter with that Muslim woman, how do I overcome my spirit of, I say my spirit, the spirit of fear, that ain't you. How do you overcome that? You get the real spirit, the Holy Spirit. You have to commune with him. You have to talk to him. And that's something I learned too from asking, can I get a softball? God is not trying to like trick you or challenge you in weird ways to see if you're passing a test. God wants to give you opportunities to practice your faith. It's a different thing than what we look at. We look at it like, you know, oh, God is really challenging me, like he's up there looking at a rat in a maze or something. That's not how he sees it at all. That's what fear wants you to believe, is we have a God that's vindictive and, and gets joy out of that. He doesn't, but he gets joy out of when Moses says, let me see your face. What did God say? There are consequences to that. You're going to be physically changed. He said, if I show you my face, you'll die. No one can look on my face. So he showed him his back, and he was physically changed from that. So I remember when I was a kid, a lot of people would say, be careful paying for, praying for patience, yeah, because God will give you opportunities to be patient. But I say, and don't get me wrong, I'm reaping the, uh, both the benefits and the uh, consequences of that. I say, pray for patience. Pray for endurance. Because who do you want to be at the end of the day? Do you want to be one of these kings that sometimes does good things for God, but most of the time you're sitting in your cell because it's just comfortable in there? Honestly, why did the Israelites want to go back? Because they knew it, and it was comfortable. And I know you're asking, how is slavery comfortable? It's not. It really wasn't. It was terrible. They, they were having them make bricks out of nothing. When Moses first went to Pharaoh, they were like, okay, we're not going to give you any materials, but you have to still make us bricks. And somehow they, they were trying to do it. They were still doing it. They wanted to go back to that because of fear. So the closer you get to God, the further away you get from spirits that are not of God, like fear, like laziness. And another thing I'll say, too, that God has worked with me is there are things in your character that you don't like about yourself, and that's good because the Holy Spirit trumps your character. So whenever you say, well, that's just how I am, like, I'm trying to wake up earlier. I can't wake up earlier. It's a, it's a struggle. It's a real struggle. And I just go, well, that's just how I am. And everyone goes, yeah, you're just a night person. That's not how I, there is no science on you were born a specific way to, to sleep or live. or No, it's, it's something that you tell yourself so that you don't have to accept the challenge. But what God did, said to Moses and to Gideon was, here is a challenge for you. And Moses almost lost his life by being like, I don't think I can do it. And what was he doing in, in that example I showed before? He was over here on the side of the devil saying, I, I don't think I can do it. I think Satan might be right. Like, I'm no good. Like, you can't use me. I, I told you, I struggled with that. And I thought it, it kind of was better than being like, oh, well, I'm so good. God has to use me, you know. I know people like that too. But pride is not good either way. Either way, you flip it. So, uh, Moses started pushing in to knowing God. The more he, that he went to the t tent of meaning, the more that he was obedient. So um, I, I want to say um, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And then I'm going to wrap up because I did set a timer because I was told to. Um, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. 
Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So from this, does this mean that you're never going to have any fear ever? You're probably going to have fear. But what we do with it is the important thing. You know, when, I, when my dad passed, I had a lot of fear, and I did not acknowledge that it was fear. So at the beginning, when I started talking, I said, hey, stand up if you have this fear. If you felt like, you know, I probably should stand up, but you didn't, and you just chalked it up to because I don't want to stand up, uh, that's something that I went through, too, a couple weeks ago when someone else preached a similar message and, and did that same exercise. And I was like, God is trying to reveal to you areas in your life that are kind of gripped by fear. And, and the first step is to acknowledge your fear and bring it to Jesus. You notice how that's one step? That's not two steps. Like, acknowledge your fear, then bring them to Jesus. No, acknowledge your fear and bring them to Jesus. Because it does no good. I think it's funny. I watch way too much YouTube. I think it's funny that people will, there's a lot of self-improvement YouTubes, right? Which is good. It's good to want to improve yourself. But a lot of people talk about, like, reflecting on yourself and, like, trying to find the best parts of yourself. If, if you look inward, you're going to find what everyone always finds when they look inward. Every wicked thing. If you look outward to Christ, God will change your inward. This is something I'm learning about my character. I feel like I'm a little lazy. Um, but I also work too hard. Weird, right? I'm a workaholic and I'm too lazy. Right. And for a long time, I'm like, well, that's just how I'm wired. You know, I, I, I got to do stuff. And, uh, you know, sometimes I just got to not do, do stuff. That's not, that's not how God wants you to live. He wants you to live in his presence. In his presence is peace. In his presence, there is no fear. And so I guess that's my biggest takeaway from all this. And uh, I, I want to do one more exercise. And, and then I'm going to have a Mary come up. But uh, this exercise, because pastor's not here and can't tell me not to, um, we're going to do uh, what the Israelites did, but we're not going to gripe and complain, hopefully. Um, so when the Israelites were pulled out of Egypt, they wanted to go back because it was comfortable, even though it was objectively way worse for them than being free and in the presence of God. Like, if you can imagine seeing the pillar of cloud and the pillar of flame, and you are, like, in that, and you have millions of people with you in that, and still, at the end of the day, you go, yeah, I just kind of want to go back and put the chains back on. That, that's crazy, right? And it's okay for us to acknowledge that that is a crazy way to live. The world lives that way. They, the, the, this is a, a quick aside, but I'm going to go. Uh, I have a friend that only goes to work and home. And you want to know why? And he's almost my exact age. You want to know why he does that? Because the world expects that of him. The expectation is you go to work. That's it. It's a very low bar. And if you meet that, cool. But God does not want you. So the Israelites, their expectation was you make the bricks. And if you can meet that, hopefully you don't get beat, right? That's not how God intended for you to live. God intended you to walk with him every day. So the biggest takeaway for me is if you're not in the tent of meeting like Moses was, you will, you will be overcome by fear. This is something I'm learning daily is when I have fear, I bring it to Jesus. So what we're going to do as an exercise, we're going to get up, and Mary's going to come up in just a second. But I want you all to walk around this room just once. We're not doing the whole Jericho thing. Just once. 
And y'all don't have to sing, please. And I want you to, when you come back, don't sit in your same seat. And it's just an illustration. It's not magic, okay? It's just an illustration of when the Israelites came out, they wanted to come right back to where they were. So for you, there's something in your life that fear has gripped on you that honestly, it's just more comfortable to stay there than it is to walk out the cell. The cell is open, your chains are off of you, and I have felt like I'm sitting there putting chains back on, you know, trying to clasp them back on sometimes. You can't do it. Jesus has set you free. If you have accepted Jesus' forgiveness, God's forgiveness for your sins, you're free to go. You actually have to go at some point. So uh, I'm going to pray, and uh, I want you to think about I'm I'm very pragmatic in, in how I approach uh, scripture. I, I want to know, you know, what can I do? Um, well, here's what you can do. There's something in your life that fear has gripped you. And I want you to give that to God. And one of the things I, that I try to practice more often is uh, intentional praying. So I'm going to pray quick, right? When you get home sometime this week, I want you all to practice the tent of meaning. And I want you to take this thing that you have in your mind and I want you to go to God and, and tell him about it. You know, I, I gave the example of asking for a softball. You can just talk to God and he'll listen. He ain't always going to give you every yes that you want and every no that you want. But he will listen and he actually wants to know your opinion, by the way. Take that to God and do not get up from where you are praying. This is the important part of intentional praying. Do not get up. Do not leave until God gives you an answer. Not the answer you want. I'm not saying that you're going to, yeah, I'm not saying you're going to, like, get up and your life is perfect, but do not leave. You take that to God, and you intentionally pray for however long it takes. When I first did intentional prayer, this is where God revealed to me I had all that fear and anger bottled up from my dad dying. And I did not expect, for the record, I went into it going, like, you know, uh, I want to discover God's purpose for my life. You know, I want to walk in the full purpose of the Holy Spirit. That's what I went into it going for, right? And God revealed to me there's hurt that I was not dealing with. So that's my challenge to you. You're going to have to do it on your own time. That's what Moses did. And I just want to encourage you, like, every day I feel like I'm growing closer to God because when God says, okay, you have this hurt that you never dealt with, I go to God and I'm like, I want to deal with this. I don't want it to be this open thing that I keep coming back to because it's comfortable. Or So that, that that's the only way this is going to work is if we do this on God's side. The illustration of if you're constantly over here thinking that the devil's right, how do you walk with Jesus? You can't. A lot of people think you can walk like this. You can't. You can't walk two, two aisles. There's one path. So anyways, I'm, I'm going to pray. You can bow your heads. And God, I just thank you for bringing us all together. And God, I just thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to overcome every other spirit on this earth. I thank you for your son Jesus and for what he's done. And God, anyone in here that has any part of their life that's gripped by fear or anything else that isn't of you, God, I just ask that you help them and allow them to release that to you. God, we lift everything that we are up to you and just ask that your Holy Spirit make us a new creation that any character flaws or anything that we don't like about ourselves, God, that you will deal with that, that you will mold us into the men and women of God that you created us to be. God, we pray against the spirit of fear. We cast out the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus.
that it has no holding in anyone in this room, anyone listening to this message, God, that your Holy Spirit will come into our hearts and our minds and completely change who we are. Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we just ask that you help us to be obedient, God. Give us the opportunity to practice our faith, to trust in you more and more every day. We love you, Jesus, and we trust you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.